On the last episode, I had supply chain royalty on the show, and Sherry is definitely the supply chain queen for a reason. She shares her journey, her advice, and thoughts on supply chain, as well as the circular economy in my Woman in Supply Chain series, Part 9. Plus, she announces her newest role as IBM Futurist. So you can find that at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 27. So make sure to check that one out. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey. And each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. First, a word from our sponsor, Border Buddy. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has created a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce shopping cart, like Shopify, Magento, eBay, and others, allowing you ease and peace of mind when selling to customers in North America. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from your door to theirs in real time. We're the first API-based custom solution. Just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com forward slash Let's Talk Supply Chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. The show is growing each and every week and I love hearing all your feedback and seeing how much everyone is enjoying the show. So with that said, let's get right into Listener's Corner. First up is a quick review from Peter. Peter says, Sarah, thank you. Another excellent episode. Would never have heard about Sweetbridge and these innovative ideas. Thank you, Peter, for sending in your feedback and your review of the show. Now, for the question of the week, this comes from Tracy from New York. She says, I love the Women in Supply Chain series. It is creating a much needed discussion around diversity. It is nice to know the journeys, the challenges, and the advice, but what I want to know, um, and I would love to hear from the men as well, how do you manage multicultural slash multi-generational diversity, and what are you doing in your organizations to reduce bias? So Ellen Voix, she is the president of Women in Trucking Association, and she was on the show Women in Supply Chain series. She kicked it off in part one, and that's in season one, so go check that out. And what she says to Tracy is, to reduce bias, a company needs to start tracking how many women apply for a position in addition to how many are hired. If they aren't receiving applications from women, they are either advertising in the wrong places or using words that appeal to men. Thank you to both Tracy and uh, Helen for sending in the question and the answers so that we can all learn from each other. If you have a question for the experts, please email them to me. That's listener at letstalksupplychain.com. And I will share the answers on an upcoming episode and on letstalksupplychain.com forward slash listener dash corner. 
This show is for you, so let's learn from each other. So today on the show, I am talking to the number one global logistics and freight audit company. They are called Intelligent Audit. Jory and Hannah are here, and uh, they are the head of the global accounts as well as the COO, and they are here to talk to us about the underlying opportunities that are just waiting to be found. Hannah is the COO of Intelligent Audit, the leading technology service provider focused on reducing transportation costs through automated audit and freight recovery, business intelligent analytics, and contract optimization solutions. Our cloud-based software addresses customer needs using data-driven analytics and reporting to identify trends, examine current transportation activities and needs, and detect areas for improvement and optimization. Jory is the Director of Global Accounts for Intelligent Audit, the leading technology service provider. Jory is President of the Southern California Roundtable for the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals, that's CSCMP. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Industrial Engineering from Georgia Tech and an MBA from Georgia State University. She's worked her entire career in the transportation industry, both on the career the carrier side and as a service provider. Well, they are not part of the Women in Supply Chain series, but they definitely should be. So let's get started. So welcome to the show, Jory and Hannah. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I love having supply chain leaders on the show, especially fellow women making waves in the industry. So thank you so much for being here. Without further ado, let's get started. So who is Intelligent Audit? What is your story and what do you do? So thank you for having us on. We're excited to be here. Intelligent Audit is a freight audit and payment company. We've been around for about 22 years now. And at the core, we're a technology company that takes all of our customers' transportation data across all modes. So parcel, LTL, bulk, intermodal, air, international, really anything you can imagine that ships out. And we audit every single shipment. So at the core, we're making sure that any single invoice that's gone out is being properly audited down to the charge level, as well as we have our business intelligence platform, which is what I'm always most excited about. So how can we take our customers' data, analyze it, and help them ship smarter? So we sit in this unique advantage point where we're able to really take all of the customer's data and normalize it and then go back, analyze it strategically and say, well, how can we help drive down change? How can we decrease your transportation costs? How can we increase your customer experience and decrease exceptions? So from a high level nutshell, that's kind of what we do. But We have a pretty cool and unique advantage that, again, we sit in for each customer's perspective to help them increase operational efficiency in their transportation space. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it sounds like, you know, there's you're doing a lot of what shippers are really looking for. Um, So that is great. But I want to talk to you guys, you know, a little bit about the parcel spend. 
I mean, with the influx of online shopping, parcel spend is increasing exponentially. And with free shipping being more and more expected by the consumers, you know, what does that mean for shippers? So I think it's becoming more and more critical for shippers to ship smarter and have the data analytics to really look at what's happening within their supply chain. Being able to analyze what is the time in transit that they're actually getting and what are the right services for them to use, not only from the perspective of um, what does their customer base look like throughout, whether that be the U.S. or international, um, but also being able to look at their entire network to understand um, do they have the right distribution locations in place. Customers are also looking more and more in the impact of dimensional weights, um, as well as where are they hitting some of their minimum charges. So from parcel shippers perspective, it's really critical to understand what are those different accessorial charges um, that they're receiving and how is that affecting their overall cost? Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, almost everywhere where you might shop personally, you're going to have to get, you're, you're looking for free shipping, right? So the expectation is it's going to be free shipping. And even above that, you know, we've gotten, ex- we've gotten okay and comfortable with two day shipping. I think that that's the new norm. When you don't experience two day shipping, you're, you're frustrated and it's look, making you wonder who else can achieve that. But even now more and more, I'm, I'm seeing new companies and I think the innovators trying to figure out how to get either next day shipping or same day shipping. So I think it's really interesting to see how that's going to play out. And the only way to truly achieve that is, you know, with with Jory said, understanding what your footprint looks like today and then having an analytical platform that you can really leverage to be able to make changes and knowing what changes to make. Yeah, I think that's so true what you guys are saying. I mean, supply chain affects everyone in everyday lives. And I don't think, you know, a lot of people realize that, um, you know, from the supply chain down to the consumer sometimes, maybe sometimes we sort of forget that. But also, you know, Amazon has kind of set that bar. Um, with that same day, almost within out within an hour type shipping. So um, it's kind of a matter of, you know, balancing that act between the free shipping and then shipping smarter and being able to do it within that two day time frame or maybe even a little bit quicker um, because that bar has been set. One of the things that, um, you know, has come up in the past for me And I think that it's really important, the point that you make as far as distribution centers, you know, where should they be? What size should they be? Maybe you go smaller distribution centers to service the local areas to be able to ship smarter and do, you know, a quicker job and a quicker turnaround time for your consumers. Yeah. And I think if you you keep on with that train of thought, it's you don't always have to open up a new distribution center to be able to get shipments delivered faster. You can also use zone skipping or hub and jack analysis where the concept there is you can fill up an entire trailer full of shipment and then do a hub and jack. Either it's a single stop or a multi-stop, but you can leverage team drivers to be able to do that and still achieve that effect without having to open up a new distribution center. And 
another consideration to think about is as a consumer, you're also expecting to have the same level of experience. So what it's important to consider is how does the consumer's experience change regardless or depending on who's delivering the shipment um, as well as just delivery exception. So what's, what's important to consider and what we always push our customers to consider is, you know, there are times where in all of our carriers, they want to pick up the phone and say, you know, Hey, carrier XYZ, you had a 5% exception rate last month, fix it. But that's not really helpful. And that's not going to help the carriers. And, well, we see a lot of the times when it comes to exceptions, it's actually being done and being driven by the carrier, by, sorry, by the shippers themselves. So, you know, what we do in terms of exception management is we break every single type of exception into four categories. So it's either the carrier's fault, the shipper's fault, an act of God, so weather issue, or it's the end consumer. So if you just deep dive there into a qu- for a quick second, when it's a carrier's fault, you want to be able to help them drive down change. So when you approach it with analytics and you can tell them exactly which one of their hubs or which one of their locations has a higher amount of exceptions and what those exceptions are, that's information and data that they can use to then go back and make changes. When it's yourself as the shipper, it could be a packaging issue. It could be a barcode unreadable issue there are so many different issues that could be driving that. And if you never deep dive and figure out what it is, you're going to continue just pointing the finger. And that's not going to, at the end of the day, help you as a company reduce the amount of exceptions you have. So I would say in general, when it comes to shipping smarter, there's so many different, um, different pieces of that pie. And it's, you have to truly understand every piece of it to be able to drive down change and increase operational efficiency uh, in your transportation spend. Absolutely. And I think also what you're trying to say there too, and something that I really, you know, it's kind of my tagline, collaboration is the future of business. So it's really, we've, gone past that phase of pointing the finger and saying, no, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. You know, we're taking a much better, in my mind, look um, at each other to say, hey, I have some of this data or I have, you know, this is what's going on for us. What can we provide to you to help you help us? Exactly. And I mean, collaboration is, I think, key and it's not just externally but internally right so how can the marketing teams collaborate with the logistics team to also be able to you know achieve results and what we're seeing there more and more is 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 collaboration so you know in in the past when there's you know there's so much money that's being spent to be able to acquire a customer for the first time and then when you lose them you always blame the marketing team, you know, that they did something wrong or it was a problem with the, with the product. But what was never really considered was how the logistics team played a role in that. And what we're seeing more is the logistics team collaborating with the marketing team to figure out if there is exceptions or maybe there was a packaging experience that, that was tainted. So using all that information to really collaborate is, is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And that is, that's another really good point is that people don't necessarily correlate supply chain teams and sales and marketing teams. 
But, you know, on one hand, if sales and marketing is going to go to the consumer and maybe say, hey, consumer, you know, we can do it faster than the next guy. We can deliver it to you faster. But again, to your point previously about customer experience is that what does that do to the supply chain team? How does that affect them and what they have to do on a day-to-day basis to make sure that they can, um, you know, meet those expectations? And how is that going to change that customer experience? And so it's really, really key for sales and marketing teams to really work with supply chain teams. And I think that companies are really coming around now um, to seeing it from that perspective. I would agree. And I think that when they do collaborate with one another, they can start to really understand what is the cost associated with that. If if we need to expedite something out, there's a cost associated with that. And so is that is that the right fit? Uh, at the same time, there may be options to um, put some additional um, service-related um, processes in place that would be a great fit for a particular customer. So being able to understand what those different capabilities are and the costs associated with that and, and how they want to apply that either across all customers or maybe focus on s- some particular key customers, but being able to really understand what is that, that end experience that they want each and every customer to have. Yes, I am so excited by this discussion because I think that it needs to happen more and more. Um, so let's talk about the current trends. What are the current trends that you are seeing in the shipping space? You know, what are the competitive shippers trying to do? So I would say we, we are seeing a lot of customers and, and shippers really looking at what are all of the different um, possibilities of services out there. I mean, as Hannah mentioned earlier, uh, you know, more and more, there's, there's so many different service levels that, that different providers are offering, whether that be the parcel carriers, USP, USPS, FedEx, UPS, um, you know, seeing a lot of customers use a variety of those service levels, whether that be a SurePost or a, or a SmartPost, um, using USPS's different service levels, or as we get into to other international shippers, you know what what are those different providers out there, and and how can we uh, ha- as a shipper, uh, how do they use those different service levels to support the the end customer, depending on what their needs are. We also see where you know a lot of customers are looking at their overall network to see how can we get it there faster and cheaper. So do we need to do a network analysis or can we do a hub inject as Hannah mentioned um, so that we can service it faster. We can, we can compete against an Amazon expectation, but also make sure that we're cutting costs and, and making sure that we're not shipping cross country so that we're again, shipping smarter, um, we we see a lot of customers continuing to expand internationally. Um, and, and so I think that, you know, as they continue to do that, really being able to have the data behind that to understand where else should we go, uh, what what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. But I think overall, as they start a project and as they work through a project for their supply chain, having those data analytics behind that 
to be able to show their executive teams, here's why we came to the decision that we did. We're seeing more and more that customers are really relying on having that detail so that um, all of that information is there. Absolutely. And, you know, data has come up a lot for for me in uh, a lot of the current episodes. It's just going to be that much more important to be able to mine that data and get the right information so that you can leverage it and make sure that you are working at, you know, the best operational efficiency. So just before we get to the next question, I do want to ask you, though, can you just describe what you mean by hub inject and network analysis, just for the listeners so that they understand what that means. Sure. So a network analysis is understanding every distribution center you might use, you might ship from or service center um, or stores if you're fulfilling from stores. So understanding your footprint globally And then a hub inject or zone skipping is the concept where instead of having to ship across countries, so let's say from New Jersey to California, which would be a high zone in the parcel space, you can instead do a zone skip. So you're literally skipping across zones. So instead of shipping it out from New Jersey to California, you would fill up an entire trailer of shipments and then you would have team drivers or a single driver truck that across to a different carrier hub and inject it there. So let's say you could fit 30,000 parcel shipments into a trailer. You would fill that up. You would inject that into Louisville, Kentucky, and then it would start the, the origin scan from the carriage perspective from Louisville, Kentucky instead of New Jersey. So it's a much more cost-effective way of shipping products. Um, you'll see a lot of companies doing that pretty successfully as well as doing that cross-border from Canada into the U.S. or the opposite way. Yeah, absolutely. In in my past, I was um, involved with that, you know, the cross-dock, the the collab- the um, putting together all the parcels and shipping it together all at once over the border. And it, it does, it makes a lot of difference um, to that bottom line and also for the, the efficiency and, and the operations of your distribution. So why don't you, I, I'm really curious to hear from you um, an example of how you've helped a client. Um, like a real life example of how you've helped them with their small parcel contracts. You know, this is where I want you to paint a a picture so that the listeners can really understand what you guys do. Sure. And I'll go through, you know, one of the case studies that we've done recently. This can be really applied to anyone as a shipper, but we, we have, we had one customer who had over 10 million parcel shipments a year who acquired another company who was very similar in size. And they were really looking for guidance on helping to decide a new roadmap to figure out what they should be looking like as a shipper. So. We took a step back, we took all of the data, we injected it into our system, and they had eight DCs together across the world. And first off, we helped them consolidate that to three DCs. So they were able to achieve the same time in transit or get it better for their customers. They reduced overall expenses from a distribution center perspective. And then we also helped them figure out the right modes to use for each shipment. So when to use pull deliveries, for example, that were currently being done via parcel, um, as well as what services to use. So 
a lot of customers have this predefined notion that an air shipment is faster than ground when that's just factually incorrect. So when you tell a, when you tell the carriers, let's say it's UPS or FedEx to ship it out second day air or three day air, that literally means wait two days or three days and then deliver it when ground could be one day. So it's cheaper and faster. So we help design the ideal service utilization and the routing guide compliance that, that they put in place. Um, and then we help negotiate the new carrier contract. So because we had access to so much information, you know, according to, um, a couple of the biggest carriers in the world, we are the largest trafficker of their website. So we see a lot of data. We know what companies should look like in terms of a rating perspective. We help negotiate them a contract that made sense for who they became like as a shipper. Um, so take into account their services, their, their new footprint, um, their new volumes, and they achieved considerable savings there. So really just helping them spend optimize, which is done again through negotiating carrier agreements as well as just optimizing your current, your current processes. And through all of this, it's, it's collaborating with the carriers, right? So back to your favorite term there. So yes, our customer is a shipper, but a very close second of the carriers and we want to keep them happy and keeping them happy is pretty simple. And, and all they want is to get paid on time and for what they were contracted to do. So we truly collaborate with the carriers there. Um, and we do that for all of our customers. But our objective is to get the geo coding done on time, to get the rating done on time. When there are issues, we work with them real time to get them remedied. We don't just short pay them. And then that also helps achieve uh, better contractual terms. So if the carriers are getting paid on time, it gives you a lot more leeway to negotiate better terms. And that's something that we also um, kept into play here as we created these terms with the carriers. Yeah, so many really great points there, but I am I'm kind of still stuck on the fact that you took them from eight DCs globally, consolidated them to three, and still kept the same time or faster, faster transit time. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing, if, if you consider the overhead that goes along with all of these DCs, you can, you know, use air services when it makes sense and, and still achieve considerable savings. You also have to realize that the carriers have gotten a lot better. Um, so they've gotten a lot, a lot faster in time and transit. And when you're doing these kinds of acquisitions, a lot of times you'll see, you know, if you have one DC in Connecticut and another one in New York, there is opportunity to, to really, um, make that efficient as well as, does it really make sense to have something on the East Coast if your shipments are going to the West Coast or going more to, you know, um, the central, central U.S.? So those are all things that we kind of brought into mix. But at the end of the day, the system is what did the, the heavy lifting and the number crunching for us. And, and that's what's really cool about Intelligent Audit. Yes, we're, we're human backed, but the technology is so powerful. And it does all of the head lifting for us. So it took every single shipment and reanalyzed it, doing a lot of what if scenarios, saying what is the most optimal footprint for me. And it was a unique scenario because this this company came to us and said, just help us, right? Just tell us what the optimal locations are and we'll do it. And we substantiate everything with data, but it was truly able to to help them drive down inefficiencies. Yeah, and it's a key point with the overhead. You know, with DCs, there's a lot of long contracts. 
you know, and, and um, so it's a very, very risky part of the business as well. And so in essence, you're also doing some risk mitigation on that side for your customers. So now I just have a question for you, though. Like you talk about a customer having the 10 million uh, parcel shipments. Who is your ideal customer? Like what size of a customer are you um, ideally wanting to work with? Great question. You know, at the core, we are a technology company, which allows us to manage any size customer. We have some companies that ship less than 10 shipments a week, and then we have others that ship over 100 million packages a year. So anyone who ships is is our ideal customer. Um, and our objective here is we know we can help anyone decrease inefficiencies, um, as well as increase their savings component. So we, we leverage the data, we leverage the contracts to help, help us do what we do, but really anyone who ships is our ideal customer. Okay. And I hope you don't mind this question, but how do you get paid? Do you get paid through the savings or is it something that you quote upfront? It's either or. Um, we have lots of different savings or pricing combinations, whether it's a transactional fee, a flat fee, an engagement fee, a gain share component. So we'll kind of work with the customer. Um, we always guarantee that we don't say we don't charge a customer more than what we invoice them. If that was ever the case, then we're not doing our job. Um, and we do also help in in non logistics ways. So from the financials piece, where we're doing all of the geo coding for our customers, so cost allocation down to the SKU level, um, accrual. So removing any potential surprise that the finance team might have in terms of understanding what's been shipped out and not yet invoiced. So um, the finance team is a very important part of the piece here, the part of the puzzle that we work with um, in order to just show our customers what the value is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So that was a really, really great picture. I love that case study. Um, so let's talk and you've, you, through that case study, you know, you kind of talked a little bit about the benefits and the ROI, but let's really kind of get into that. So what are the benefits and the ROI of staying on top of and working with a company like Intelligent Audit? Because, you know, I know that you can come in and do the analysis and, and, um, you know, get it down from eight DCs to three DCs, but there's got to be some sort of ongoing, you know, benefit and ROI to, you know, working with you. Absolutely. So for an ongoing shipment perspective, our software provides a true contractual audit for each and every shipment of all modes of global transportation, meaning that whether that be small parcel, domestic U.S., international, intra-Asia, intra-Europe, uh, moving into LTL, air freight, ocean freight, for each and every shipment that our customer has, our software is going through and in running an analysis to see did the the freight, the fuel, the accessorial charges, do all of those line up with the negotiated rates that they have for their carrier contracts? In addition, it's also looking at service-related errors. So was a package delivered late? Was there an address correction that wasn't justified? Was there a residential uh, surcharge that was applied that, that really shouldn't have been? So all of those types of analysis, the software is running through identifying and we're submitting that back to the carrier for refund to our customers. As Hannah mentioned, we do a lot of 
um, financial coding and accrual reporting. So for our customers, we really become an extension of their logistics team. We have an ex- just so much uh, analysis and data analytics that we can provide. So really supporting them with looking at their carrier performance and their overall costs. Um, but from an ongoing perspective, that, that audit is really what is identifying those, those types of invoicing errors and, and providing those refunds back to our customers. Awesome. Awesome. So it sounds like, you know, there's a lot of benefits in ROI and I, and I really like that because, you know, without that, it's, you know, it's almost like marketing, right? You know, where is that, where, where is the impact to the bottom line? And that's where a lot of, you know, the C-suite and the the management team really take a look at and they, they want to know about. So that's great. So um, we are winding down, but before I get to the last questions, you know, where can listeners connect with you? Sure. We're on LinkedIn. Um, you can find us there as well as just our website, com. You can sign up to listen to our, our blogs, podcasts that we're on, um, as well as we're on Twitter um, and Facebook. Yeah, I'm going to have all of that information. And you guys really do have a lot of great content. Um, I believe that there's also an ebook um, that you guys are going to have available for the listeners, which is awesome. So let's get to the next one. Let's talk about the future of intelligent audit. I, I'm also really curious to hear your thoughts on the future of supply chain. So what's next for intelligent audit? And where do you see the future of supply chain? Sure. So I think... I mean, and then the elephant in the room is always talking about blockchain and, you know, everyone is excited about that and how that's going to work out in the supply chain space. And, um, what, what I think is, is going to be valuable and what we'll see is blockchain will help the supply chain. You know, I don't think it's going to be in the next couple of years, but long term, um, I can see it deriving a lot of value for our customers because there are, Think about anything, like look in front of you, everywhere around you, everything that you see, you know, has to be transported, whether it's uh, internationally, so via an ocean container all the way down to a port and then going through customs and duties and then truck and then parcels. So there's so many moving pieces um, where, where we're excited about the blockchain space is once there's an immutable ledger where we can keep. Everything, everyone accountable and we understand the true aspects of every shipment moving to self-invoicing which is what we're seeing a, a lot of our customers try to do now so you know, the concept there is not waiting for the carriers to invoice you but you know if you have all of the aspects of your shipment and you know you know the service where it's coming from where it's going to you can create the invoice and you can fund it without waiting for the carrier so you know, you're, from one perspective, you're happy because there is less potential overbillings and the carrier is happy because they're getting paid faster. And we think a blockchain can help get that there in the least painful way globally for, you know, the entire supply chain space. So that's something that we're excited about. We're working on, we're part of Bitta. So we're trying to help them create the, um, the standards to, to manage all of this. Um, and then otherwise just, you know, we're going to continue doing what we do best and expand globally. Um, we're, we already have offices overseas, but we want to continue 
expanding there. Um, there's just so much opportunity and, and e-commerce is, is the way of the future, at least the way we see it. So there's just a lot of opportunity to continue helping customers with their data um, as well as just continue, you know, acquiring new, um, new opportunities overseas. Awesome. Um, just one question. What do you think about drones? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to happen. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it seems like the perfect way to manage remote locations. Um, so I think that, that, that it's, I mean, the carriers will definitely get there. Um, it's not going to reduce the, the need for, um, truck drivers in, in, you know, urban populations. There's, there's no way. I mean, I live right next to the city, New York City. There's no way there's going to be drones in the city. Um, but I think it's, I think it's definitely the way of the future for small item shipments in remote locations. Um, but I think that there's going to be all sorts of regulations that are going to have to happen for that to happen smoothly. Absolutely. Do you think that it's going to increase the transit time or the, the, the like, faster delivery to the consumer? Yeah, I mean, it should reduce transit time considerably. Um, I mean, there, there's all these types of cool cool ways. I mean, if you go to blockchain, that's actually a cool way for blockchain to help there too. So if you think about it, if you have, if you're you know, a big carrier and you have one shipment that needs to go out to a remote destination and you're on this blockchain, so everyone has access to information and it's all immutable, then anyone can pick up the package. It doesn't need to be a truck driver. It could be, you know, a carpool delivery person that's just picking up their kids from swim class and on the way they're going to drop off a package and everyone has access to it as it's happening and then it's delivered. So when you have access to the data, there's so many ways to to just ship things smarter. And I think that that's definitely something that we'll be seeing more of. Um, but there's going to be a trust component there. And I think that that's, that's something that's pretty cool that Amazon has done in terms of, you know, a few years ago, you wouldn't expect someone coming to your door that wasn't a driver. Um, and now Amazon has made it so that anyone can come in a minivan and just deliver something to your door and you're comfortable with it. So I think we'll be seeing more and more of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, remember, if you have a question for the experts, send them to me at listener at letstalksupplychain.com because Jory and Hannah are just about to join that group of experts. And so if you have any questions for them, please send that over to me. Um, the answers and the questions are also going to be at listener uh, letstalksupplychain.com forward slash listener dash corner. Um, and uh, so if you aren't staying on top of your small parcel contracts, especially as e-commerce is growing, now is the time to do it because there are hidden opportunities everywhere. I want to thank Hannah and Jory and the team at Intelligent Audit for making this episode happen. I will have all of the details, including where to connect and a link to their newest ebook at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 28. Make sure to visit them at intelligentaudit.com. And again, thank you, Hannah and Jory for coming on the show today. Thank you. It was great to have, it was great for you to have us. And I always love talking to other women in this space. So thanks again. 
If you liked this episode, go and check out Season 1, Episode 49 with Scout RFP about saving millions in sourcing. Or maybe Episode 44 in Season 1 with Matt from Billarude CourseNAS about losing money by using the wrong packaging. Next week, Graham from Border Buddy is back, and I guarantee it'll be another engaging conversation about the latest trends in supply chain, including how to deal with remote teams. If you want to help support the show, there's a few ways to be able to do that. One is with my supply chain dictionary. That is 107 pages of acronyms and definitions. And you can find that at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. Two would be to go and sign up at ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z.com. And you will be one of the first people to know about what we are working on. Next, rate and review the show. We want to make sure that everybody can find this show. This show is for everybody. And we want those who want to listen to the show to be able to find it. So if you have a few minutes, please go and rate and review the show so that other people can find us. And lastly, just a reminder that to send me your supply chain questions and I will ask the experts and provide the answers to you. Plus, if you have any supply chain stories of any challenges that you overcame that people can learn from, remember everything that you're going through, somebody else might be going through that as well and they might need some encouragement um, on how to figure out um, the best strategy or the best way forward. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. And remember, everybody, ship happens. Ship happens.